TV show hosted by a man that I actually couldn't tell you what his name was. He always wore a trench coat and he wore a tie. And it wasn't until recently that I found out his name was Robert Stack. And some of you might not know that name and it might mean nothing to you. Because as far as I can tell or remember, he actually never said his name. Well, Robert Stack was on a show on TV, and it was paired with this very suspenseful music that created all sorts of mystery. And that's probably good because he hosted the show called Unsolved Mysteries. It was a show that came out of the 80s, and it was a type of reality show, what we would actually call today a docu-series, in which he would go through cold cases or paranormal phenomena, and at the end of every single show, there was this plea, if you know what happened, if you have any information, if you have the missing clue that is needed to solve this mystery, maybe perhaps it's you or someone else, we need to hear from you. At the end of every show, he made a plea. And at, at, the end of some, at the beginning of some shows, every once in a while, you would get an update from another show that we have more information. But the show typically ended without giving you a true answer to what has happened. And for my wife, that is not a show worth watching. She wants to know how things ended. She wants to know the answers to the unsolved questions. And when this show rebooted on Netflix in 2020, we watched one episode, and she was like, that was terrible. (laughs) Because what she did is she grabbed her phone, and she started digging for answers. And I know you've asked questions before. And if you know me, I always ask questions about why, how, where, what, and when. And what I want to ask you this morning is a question that I've asked you before. Where do you go when you have questions? If you're like Jessica watching Unsolved Mysteries, the answer is simple. It's Google. But my question for us this morning as we see in Psalm 119, verse 9, is when we have questions, where do we turn? This is what the psalmist asks. How can a young man keep his way pure? When we come to Psalm 119, this is the longest chapter in the entire Bible. It's actually longer than many books that we find. This chapter is actually an acrostic. It's 22 stanzas, each having eight verses, and each stanza begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So if it was in English, if it was written in English, it would have 26 stanzas to fill by each letter. So each stanza, each eight verses, every word in the Hebrew in the alphabet is the first letter of each word. But it's very clear to see what this entire chapter is all about. We read it in verse 1. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. 
This is an exhaustive psalm that uses synonyms to speak about the law of God, God's word. And then just in the first eight verses, we see all the different synonyms used for the law of God. It's, they are his testimonies in verse 2. They are his ways in verse 3. His precepts, his statutes, your commandments, your righteous rules. These are all words that describe the same thing. And as Derek Kidner says in his commentary, each of these different words should sound like a bell ringing loudly. Each bell has a different frequency, a different pitch. But when it's played together, it creates this beautiful chorus. So I'm going to ask you, turn with me to, pay, to verses 57 to 64. Verses 57 to 64. These are all the different words describing God's word. Your words in verse 1. Your promises ring. Your testimonies ring. Your commandments, your law. Your righteous rules, your precepts, your statutes, ring, ring, ring. Each of these words, each of these stanzas celebrating God's holy word that he has given to his people. This psalm is a psalm sung by God's people celebrating the gracious gift of God's word to his people. But as we come to verse 9, this is where this question is asked. How can a young man, a boy, keep his way pure? The psalmist knows the type of world that this boy is going to live in. The struggles that he is going to face. How can a boy a part of the people of God, keep his way pure. And he gives us the answer. By guarding it according to your word. According to the word of God is how anyone, young boy, young girl, old man, Old woman, or sorry, I shouldn't say old woman. A woman in, in her years, I don't want to call any woman old. There is one answer of how we can truly be God's faithful people. It's by living according to God's word. It's according to God's word his people receive life. It's by living according to it, by keeping it. And what the psalmist does is he unravels what that life will look like. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wonder from your commandments. Let me seek your word that's stored inside my heart that I might not sin against you, O God. 
God's people are to store the word in their heart. And as Sinclair Ferguson says, just as the Ten Commandments were placed in the Ark of the Covenant, may God's word be placed in our hearts, stored, kept forever, safe. Because the psalmist has experienced the blessing of what God's word does in his life. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Teach me your word. Teach me your law. And I have a question. Is this psalm describing you? Do you say in your heart, Father, may my whole being, everything inside of me, want to do your will? Father, let me know your commandments that I might not sin. Father, teach me your statutes. Father, help me meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. Father, may I delight and never forget your word. Don't you see, this, this is what the psalmist is trying to teach us. This is, trying, this is what he's trying to push us. To see that to be God's people, we are to be instructed so that we can Honor our God who loves us by devoting our lives to Him and being faithful to His covenant promises. The psalmist understands what the Word of God actually does. There's no pretense here. Yes, the Word of God reveals our sin. We saw that last week in Psalm 32. But here in Psalm 119, it's the word that guides us in living according to his grace. And this life is not a sinless life. It's a faithful life. This is why we can put the law of God, as we see in our bulletin, after we hear the assurance of pardon. For it's the word of God, the law of God, that reveals our sins, but then leads us into this blessed life that we keep hearing about. Because it's through the word of God, the power of the word of God inside of us, changing us, transforming us, that leads us to a life of flourishing. It is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, as verse 105 says. And as the psalmist here says, in the way of your testimonies, I delight as much in all riches. And this is what the psalmist is putting in the mouths of the people who sing this song. Teach me your word. For it's the word of God that changes people. It is the word of God by the power of his spirit 
that we are revived from death. It is the word of God that went into the dry bones and made them raise up. It is the word of the Lord that went into the tomb and called Lazarus to come out. Because God's words have power. Because as God speaks, he works. Just as he called creation by the power of his word, God's word gives life. This is why this psalmist wants the word to dwell in him richly. This is why in Psalm 1 we saw that we are to delight in the law of the Lord and to meditate on its precepts. This is why, I don't know if you had the chance, but in the the weekly email that I'm sure all of you read, we sent out a link to a song by Sandra McCracken. It's called Flourishing. It's her song that relates to Psalm 119, and this is what that song sings. Teach me, O God, to follow your decrees. Give me understanding, your word I want to keep. Direct me in your path of your commandments, for there I find delight. My will is in your hands. How many of us want a pass-fail test? That this song, a little less this psalm, describes our lives. How many of us want this to be ours? I hope many of you. I hope many of you have seen the word of God, heard the word of God, and love the word of God, and yet we just find this so hard to do. And that's when we need to turn and fall on our knees and understand the grace of God. For everything that he requires us to do here, he provides by the power of his word. Everything that this psalmist wants us to do, God actually provides for us through his word. Because it's through his word that we receive strength. It's through his word that we are not bogged down. Sinclair Ferguson says, we must Let the word do us. Transform us from the inside out so that we might do the word in return. When we read this parable of the sower, if we read it literally, we might say that 25% of those who hear God's word actually hear it and understand it and bear its fruit. And so that might cause some of us to ask, what are we doing? If only 25% of the people that hear God's word actually 
listen to it, actually hear it, actually understand it, actually bear its fruit, that doesn't seem like very good odds. But what the psalmist is trying to teach us, what the psalmist is encouraging for us to do is be the people that hear the word and treasure it. For we know what the word of God does through the power of the Spirit. For this is what the New Testament says, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the divisions of the soul and the spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word in itself has power because of who it comes from. It doesn't have power because we obey it. We obey it because it has the power of God himself. Listen to the words that Paul uses and says to the church of Thessalonica. And, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Did you hear that? It wasn't the apostles that were doing work. It was the word of God working in his people. And I have to ask you, is this what you believe when you come and hear the word of the Lord preached? Is this what happens when you go to your beloved quiet time or whatever you want to call it? Do you see this devotion as something that you must do or do you see this devotion as something that you can do which allows God's word to transform and change your life forever? It is through God's word that he is working in you. It is through his word that he actually produces faith. It is through these sacraments, these signs and seals of the covenant of grace, these visible words of God that he actually nourishes us and allows us to keep our way pure because he sustains us by the power of his word. The psalmist understands this power. He knows that he is being blessed through the word. And he says in verse 11, very much what Paul says in Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It is the word of God that does his work that revives the soul. It is the word of God that is continued to increase this church. That might sound odd, but this is exactly what the author of Acts says in verse 6. The word of God continued to increase. How many of us even think in that capacity when we talk about how our church is flourishing, how our church is growing? 
If someone asks, what, what, what are you all doing at Christ of Presbyterian Church? How many of us say it's because the word of God is at work in us? That the Holy Spirit is reviving us. It's sanctifying us. It's pushing us to follow Christ faithfully as we were designed to do. That the word might be on our lips so frequently that we proclaim the rules of God, his statutes, his precepts, his commandments, his law. For it's the word that the psalmist knows The psalmist knows what we need most is God's word itself. Because it's in the word we receive God himself. God in his grace. I'm going to be honest, it's hard sometimes to come to church. It's hard to listen to long passages read. It's hard to hear what some of you might say too long of a sermon. But do we see that it's through that word that the Spirit is actually at work in our lives? That it is through God's word that he feeds us Christ himself. That it's through God's word we receive the grace we need to sustain this life because there's no power in us that can possibly do it. It is the word of God, the scriptures that are breathed out by God, that are profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, to keep us on the path. To lead us to the blessed life. It is the word that actually leads us to happiness because it's through the word that we receive Christ himself. Because it was Christ himself who was the word made flesh. It was the word that came to us and proclaimed to us the gospel of our salvation. There is nothing you can do to do this, but I have done it for you. Follow me by faith. How does a young man keep his way pure? He follows Jesus. By guarding his life according to the way that Jesus went, by listening to what Jesus commanded. And what did Jesus say? If you love me, you will fulfill my commands. The way a young man can keep his way pure is to meditate, to fix his eyes, to delight in, and never forget Jesus. He is the fulfillment of this psalm. He has done it for us, 
and is transforming us through the power of the gospel that says, you have nothing in you. Look to me, and you will find happiness. I don't know about you, but every single day I have some, some point, some time span, whether it's 20 minutes, whether it's an hour, and sometimes you know it gets up to like two or three hours, where I just look at my life and I say, what am I doing? Where did that time go? I, if you ask me, I, I couldn't even tell you. It's probably going through Instagram and looking at all these videos that I don't even remember. Do you know what I've never said? I've never said after spending an hour in God's word, where did that time go? That that was a waste. That that wasn't a benefit for my soul. You see, the psalmist comes to this passage. This, the psalmist looks at this chapter as a whole, and he comes with this question. He comes with this question for all the people to ask themselves. Do you focus your eyes on Jesus? Is that where your life is headed? When you are tempted, do you look to Jesus? Do you follow his commands so that you might have true flourishing that he intended and promised you? When you are being overtaken by the world around you, do you pray the prayer that Jesus prayed? that we might be sanctified in truth. His word is truth. By singing and praying this psalm, what we are doing is we're expressing a heartfelt adoration to God because he has lovingly bestowed upon us his love in grace in Jesus. So when you have questions, what am I doing? Where am I going? What's next for me? How am I going to figure this life out? Does that sound like questions young men ask themselves? Or young women? Where am I going to school? How can I be faithful? How do I know that God is true? How do I know all this stuff about Jesus makes any sense? If we run with questions anywhere else but the word of God, it leads to death. Because it's only in the word of God that we find life. Because it's only in the word of God that we find Jesus, our Redeemer and our Savior, 
who is gracious and merciful and slow and abounding in steadfast love. This is the word that has come to you, that you might believe in him, and he sustains us by his power. It's not how tight you hold to Christ. It's that his word is in you, planted deep within your soul, and it will bear fruit because he is faithful. Please pray with me.